You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 191 and 192 of engaging the Bible with the oral and through the oral tradition. We're just going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. We are uh, getting closer to the end of Kings. Yeah, we are. I think. But there's still a lot of Kings, a lot of history to go through. But uh, I like today's reading. It's kind of... You get everything. You get some good guys. You get some bad guys. You get some good guys. And then you're kind of left because you have to keep reading the story. But let's get into it. <laughs> Our Old Testament reading for today is 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14 through chapter 22. We do want to say we have a little bit of a live studio audience today. So uh, in the, the chronicles of Fed by Ravens, let it be noted. There are people with us today. Oh, yeah. Hi. Everyone, yep. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So it's, yeah, it's here. That's a live studio audience. So where are we, Matt? Uh, so we had just, we were just introduced to King Hezekiah, who was, be, like, besides David, like, the best Judah king. First guy in, like, 200 years. Yes. To actually full-heartedly serve and follow the Lord. Right. Uh, and he's going up against the Assyrians, and the Assyrians basically said, don't believe Hezekiah that the, the word of the Lord's going to save you. The God can't save you. And then he goes to the Lord, prays to him, and Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, shows up and says, don't worry, the word of the Lord will save you. And the Assyrians go off because they think the, they heard a rumor that the Egyptians were coming to fight for Judah so they run off to go fight the Egyptians who never showed up. Right. I mean, the idea for me, too, is that the challenge is, oh, do you think a word from God or mm-hmm. you believe in God is going to save you? Yeah. Which is what we are challenged with all the time. Like, mm-hmm. do you really think that having faith and believing in Jesus or believing that God loves you is going to help you against the hardcore realities of mm-hmm unemployment and loneliness and rejection, ha ha ha, save yourselves. And so that's what's so cool about Hezekiah is he decides, no, I do believe in the Mm -hmm. word of God. And there's a great prayer in um, chapter, so we're in chapter 19, Mm -hmm. when he turns to God, I mean, he does all the things right. He takes this letter because he has another letter from the king of Assyria saying, you're dead. You're dead. When we're done with the Egyptians, we're coming back for you. And so he spreads it before the Lord in the house of the Lord. It kind of just gives us a blueprint for, you know what? We're overwhelmed. Go to the places you know God says he'll be. Mm -hmm. So go to the people of God. Go to the places of God. And then he opens up the letter and he just says, oh God, (laughs) please have mercy. And he just goes on about, it's a beautiful prayer, about you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear and open your eyes, O Lord, and see and hear the words. And he kind of hear the words that are being said. And and that's where Isaiah comes in and basically gives a prophecy against the king of Assyria, right? Mm -hmm. And says, yeah, I'm going to thrash you for mocking me. Yes. And I, what I love about it is Isaiah shows up like Hezekiah didn't go to Isaiah this time. He just goes to the Lord. And then Isaiah shows up and says, the Lord's heard your prayer. So like without knowing that Hezekiah has actually prayed, he hears from the Lord, Hezekiah has prayed to me, and this is the answer. And I just love those little responses of faith. Yeah, and uh, I will save a remnant. But then 
somehow the angel of the Lord goes and just kills 185,000 of the Assyrian uh, warriors. Yeah. So they wake up. There's just dead people all around Jerusalem. Yes. And then Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, goes home. And while he's going to worship his god in Nineveh, the capital city, there's like an overthrow and they just kill him. Mm -hmm. So like the answer to Hezekiah's prayer are basically he prays and does nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the angel of the Lord goes out, defeats the enemy, and defeats his, the king that was writing these letters, mocking God and challenging him. I know. This is everything against how <laughs> we think. Like, in my mind, it's like, Hezekiah, you got to be responsible and do the right thing right. so that you can win. Protect your people. You can't just pray to God and yeah. say, oh, nothing will happen. Or you can't just pray to God and go, okay, we're cool now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet the Bible over and over again says, yeah, I have angels mm-hmm. and I have power and I can, I'm doing things above and beyond what you're thinking. This is what God can do. Mm-hmm. And especially, you figure, this is what God can do when forces are messing with his children. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm probably a much stronger guy than I realize if you start messing with my kids and putting them in a corner or something. Yeah. I'd probably have enough strength to throw you, I don't know, 10 yards. Okay. Anyway, I was that's just a fun thought. Go with that. Fun thought process, but anyway, the the comfort for us is that we still believe that crying out to God and saying God help is the way to go. Mm-hmm. That's the, the thing to do, and then God will put whatever He puts in front of you, and you'll walk through it. So Hezekiah gets through that, which is pretty awesome. That's a victory for mm-hmm. the people of God. Then uh, later in Hezekiah's reign. He becomes sick to the point of death, and Isaiah actually shows up to him and says, the Lord says, get your house in order. I know, it's never a good thing. He says, find a... Get your house in order. Basically, find a replacement. You're going to die. And Hezekiah immediately cries out to God again, and before Isaiah even leaves the the, uh, building, the Lord says, go back. I've heard Hezekiah's prayer. And I'm going to give him 15 more years. He gives him another 15 years. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I think. Like, I, why it, 15? I don't know. You don't have any idea? I have no answers for 15. Well, I know his son is born 12 years. He's, he takes over at 12 years old. Yeah. So he Manasseh might have, is born. Maybe he didn't years. have a heir yet. Maybe. But anyway, he gets, 15, he gets 15 years. And you're thinking, this is cool. Again, Hezekiah prays. And the Lord hears him. The Lord has a change of mind, change of heart. He changes God's mind, which is cool because Mm -hmm. that's just showing the reality of a relationship between, like when God says, I want a relationship, he's not joking. Mm -hmm. He's not like, I already know all things. He's truly and honestly engaging in the relationship. Um, And so he does that. But then Hezekiah has his little slip up, right? Mm -hmm. I think he's starting to feel as like, oh, I'm one of David and Solomon. Those guys walked with the Lord. Yeah. And I'm kind of feeling like we're restoring uh, Judah back to, and Jerusalem back mm-hmm. to its power. And so he falls for, I think it's a, it's a pride thing. Yeah, it totally is. So, Babylon shows up and says, hey, let's see how powerful you are. Yeah, so right now Assyria is uh, the big bad. They're taking over everything. And uh, Babylon is actually within Assyria's control. And so Babylon right now is secretly campaigning to get allies among all the nations that are within Assyria's control to overthrow Assyria. Mm-hmm. And so they're sending envoys out to all the strongholds that they feel like these guys will have a good chance of helping us get rid of Assyria. And so that's why they're 
they say, oh, we heard you're sick, but it's kind of a ploy just to go and see and make um, a secret treaty with Judah against Assyria. Okay. Well, Hezekiah falls for it in, yeah. in the sense of shows them everything. Yeah. And then Isaiah's like, who are those guys? Because yeah. they're the Babylon- Babylonians. What did you show them? What did you show them? Everything. Why would you do that? Because <laughs> they're going to take you over now. So now yeah. the threat to Jerusalem and Judah the southern kingdom, the mm-hmm. only one that's left now because Israel's been taken away by the Assyrians. He says Babylon's going to take over. Yeah, everything you showed Babylon, they will take it. Which is a bummer. I think he just gets a little bit yeah. proud, which is what happened. You know, the Lord hears the prayers, answers mm-hmm. his prayers, and you start to feel like, all right, now I'm in a position where I can take control and do things the way I want. Instead of, no, the deal is live in a posture of openness and repentance to the Lord Mm -hmm. and in prayer and leaning upon him that's the way you're supposed to live that's not just supposed to patch you through until you can get back on your feet and so uh the weird part of Hezekiah is at the end it's like after you Isaiah says after you you're gonna finish out your reign Mm -hmm. and in peace yes but then all the trouble is coming after that and Hezekiah says that's cool. As long as I get peace for the rest of my reign, <laughs> my kids will deal with it. Yeah. And it sounds kind of callous. and it like does. It almost sounds like he's old and tired. Like, I think whatever. So. But I am also hoping that part of it is, you know what? I know the Lord. And if my kids have learned anything, they'll know to cry out. God's gracious right. and caring. So even though they deserve this wrath and this curse mm-hmm. because of me or because of the people before us, I know if they know to call out on God, he'll show mercy. So I'm just going to live out my days in peace, and then hopefully they'll be equipped to deal with all this. Yeah. But that's how it ends. But of course, the weird thing is, is Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, is the worst guy. Yes. The worst king of Judah ever. He's like 12 when he takes the throne, which is (laughs) really surprisingly young. Uh, So again... He might not have had... What's her name from Willy Wonka? Baruka Salk? Salt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's I want it now, Daddy. Yes. I think that's how I imagine Manasseh. He's like, I want to party like the Amorites. <laughs> and so he reestablishes all of the um, idol worship. I mean, he goes he goes more. He goes above and beyond what Ahaz did, uh, his grandfather. So he rebuilds all the... Um, the high places, which yeah. is where they offer which all the offerings. Hezekiah, like his dad, took down. So he rebuilds everything his dad destroyed. Uh, he he puts idols in the temple. He, yeah, in the temple. In the temple of God, like carved images. Yeah, images of like the Asherah poles and like things for Baal. He puts them all in the temple. In the temple of God. He kills his own son. He sacrifices his own son mm-hmm. to a god, burns him. He reinstates divination. Even the thing mm-hmm. that Saul knew was bad, like the yeah. necromancers and those people he pushed out, he puts that plus carved images again and all this. And the, the author keeps saying, this is in the city where God put his name. Yeah. This is the place where God put his name, where the temple was dedicated to God. Now, it's been a couple hundred years, mm-hmm. and Hezekiah brought it back, but it wasn't brought back to its full glory but still, he brought it back, and now yeah. Manasseh is undoing everything, and it says more evil than even the original inhabitants. So, like, even the Canaanites who lived in this land that God said, I must get them out, uh, Manasseh now is leading the people of God into even a worse relationship. And he had 55 years. He got 55 years. Because, I think, because of the, the blessing from his father. his father. yeah. 55 years, but then in verse 13, it does, there's this, like, <laughs> harsh... 
it's pretty harsh. I mean, he's basically, the prophet is saying all these things, but the part I liked is, um, is verse 13. Yeah. Where he says, and I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plumb line of the house of Ahab. So in other words, I'm going to measure you according to even those, that bad city and mm-hmm. this bad king, and I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. <laughs> that's like the thing you don't, that's not an encouraging note. Like, hey, Matt, good morning. I'm going to wipe you as one wipes a dish today, uh, saith the Lord. But you realize this is, of course, this is 800 years in the making, and this is 200 years of God being gracious. This is 50 years of putting up with someone who's defiling and um, not only temp- God, but the yeah, temple the and temple. the people. He's yeah. leading the people away. So finally God's like, I got to clean you like a dish, man. Mm-hmm. Like, this is nasty, and you're hurting my kids. And... Um, so then it kind of ends with Manasseh. He gets how does he die again? He just dies of old age and yeah, he gets but like this he and age. his son actually are not buried with uh the kings. They're buried in a garden. Uh the garden of Uzzah. So again, it's this idea that even the people were like they're not getting buried with everyone else. Right. They're going to be buried outside. They're evil, man. <laughs> well then he has a son Ammon. And he's 22 years old when he starts to rule, and he only rules two years. Yeah, he gets uh, hot, too. He gets killed by his servants, mm-hmm. but then the people actually wanted to keep the line, right? Because yes. we're still in the line of David. Mm-hmm. And so the people then get the next king, and this is where we'll get into an end today, it was Josiah. Josiah yes. is eight years old, and he's going to reign for about 31 years. Mm-hmm. And so he actually does what's right. Uh, in the sight of the Lord. So we have another good king, and that's kind of the the flow. It's like you get a couple bad kings, and then you get a good king. Yeah. A couple bad, and, and then you get one good. You know, it's like one one step forward, two steps back. And then um, he does the thing that Joash started. So this tells okay. us something about the, um, yes. the temple and the state of the priests. They couldn't yes. be trusted. Yeah. So he does the Joash piggy bank thing, which mm-hmm. is we're going to raise money, and in a special place that we give directly to the skilled craftsmen who do yeah, the work. Yeah, we're not giving it to the priests because the, priest, the priests will steal it. Yeah, they're just keeping it. So he starts to rebuild the temple, which has been picked apart for parts mm-hmm. and gold to other idols. So you have to imagine, like, the temple has been stripped of all the precious yep. things, put into idols to other gods, and so now he's trying to re restore all this stuff. Uh, I do want to point out that Josiah was the king that was prophesied about in Israel, uh, to Jeroboam. So that's so, 250 Yeah, so if you remember the prophet that showed up to Jeroboam after he built the calves and he and he said, uh, this altar will crack and uh, a boy king named Josiah will come and that's destroy right. everything here. And and, uh, the, and Jeroboam reached out his hand and it was frozen. So that was the king. This He was talking about Josiah 200 years before. And so uh, just... It's just an interesting little yeah. tidbit. I was like, whoa. It's funny, too, if you put it in perspective of, like, uh, United States history. Mm-hmm. So if there was a prophecy to George Washington that's mm-hmm. coming true today. About Trump. How hard would it be? Yeah. <laughs> about Trump. You don't like what he's doing. No one likes what he's doing, or they do. And, but, yeah, it's, like, hard. So you, when you put yourself in the position of Israel or Judah, mm-hmm. it is, like, 200 years ago, a prophecy was said and in between, a lot of things have gone down. Yes. 
I like Israel is doesn't exist anymore. Like the ten tribes just got taken away with fish hooks in their mouth, mm-hmm. like slaves and animals. Yes, and they've been replaced with people from other lands. Yes. So it is uh, when you put it like that, it's you can kind of understand. Judah's in a bad place. Like, mm-hmm. it would be hard to believe all this. Yes. But Josiah rebuilds, starts rebuilding, mm-hmm. and that's where he has a good high priest, Hil- well, Hilkiah. Okay, and I, I don't know if he's a I don't know if he's good, good either, but... But the, Hilkiah is, like, cleaning out the temple, and he discovers the law of God, and the book of the law, and he reads it, and is like, huh, this has been missing for a while. And then he gives it to the secretary, the secretary reads it, and is like, all right, and then he gives it, and he's like, oh, hey, King, by the way, uh, we found this book. We're going to read it to you. We're going to read it to you. And then Josiah hears it yeah. and tears his clothes and goes into mourning and is like, we need to cry out to the Lord immediately because we have not kept the law, and it's very clear what the punishment is for not keeping it. I mean, and again, it's like it's been, I don't know how many hundreds of years now, 600 years since they came into the promised land with the word of God, or oh, since yeah, Exodus, yeah, since know. the law was given. Yeah. It's been at least 400, 600. Yeah. yeah. And, um, been, yeah, probably six. So that's how they've, Manasseh definitely didn't have the word of God. No. Right? So at a minimum, it's been 50 years, and Deuteronomy, let's say, or Leviticus, or the first five books, probably mm-hmm. something with the first Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Numbers Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Yeah. They have been not consulted at all so mm-hmm. i mean you figure for him to hear this is kind of new and yeah. like what our god has mm-hmm. talked to us and he said this exactly mm-hmm. that's fantastic so um i just love josiah's response yes it's what the word of god is intended to do it's intended to bring us to repentance it's intended to bring us to uh, recognizing the reality i am not god and here's where god is and here's what god has said and as a result God says to Josiah, horrible stuff is still going to happen. Yeah, they go to, it's interesting, they go to hold a a prophetess to speak to the Lord. And it is interesting because I guess Jeremiah is actually operating at this point. And so there is like some uh, confusion and going like, whoa, I wonder why he wasn't consulted. But they go to Hulda and she has this word of God that says, uh, yeah, you have broken these things and the time is coming to pay for them, and what you've done is not enough, uh, but don't worry, because you have followed me, this will happen after you. Yeah. And as a result, you will not see disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we just see the same kind of theme with Hezekiah. You will never be ashamed for mm-hmm. repenting and believing. Yes. Believing that you're forgiven, believing that there's hope, believing that God cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I like about the, this incredibly encouraging uh, in the face of our own weaknesses and hardships, it's there is a God who cares, mm-hmm. and you'll never be ashamed for um, repenting under his word of promise. Yeah. So, cool. All right. And I will say, though, the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah, we're going to read those, and so remembering these kings, it is helpful to go back and realize, oh, Isaiah was there when it was Assyria. Mm-hmm. And of the beginning of Babylon, but then Jeremiah is going to be there during Babylon. Yes. And then, you know, yeah. Yeah, well, Ezekiel is going to be there during. We'll make sure we'll point out and tie them back to where they were. Yeah. So just think of it now as getting all the the puzzles, the Mm -hmm. puzzle pieces. Yep. Pretty cool. All right. Let's go to the New Testament. 
Our New Testament reading for today is Acts chapter 28. So they've been shipwrecked. Paul, Luke, we're assuming, because of the ever-present we in the last couple chapters, and 276 people have been shipwrecked on an island that they did not know, they they were not familiar with. Paul's in such a great, he always has these great uh, situations happen. So. Yes. Oh, I was thinking. Okay, yeah. so you, you asked a question last episode. Uh, why do you think uh, Luke included this section in yeah. Acts? And so running through my favorite theory of he's writing that, he is writing this book, Luke the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he's writing these letters to Theophilus. And the my favorite theory is that Theophilus is uh, Paul's defense attorney when he gets to Rome to face Nero. Oh. And he's writing this book, and so he includes the shipwreck part because he's trying to prove that it was meant for him to go before Nero. And right. he kind of drops that line when he sees the angel, and the angel yeah. says, God has ordained... So, Paul, it, so what you're saying is, it's proof that Paul could have escaped and mm-hmm. gotten away, but it chose to yeah. do this. Yeah, and, and it, so Luke over is, and over again, it's like he wants to go to Caesar. He feels that God's called him to go to Caesar, and God and, really has. And even in the face of imminent death, mm-hmm. God protected him, and Paul sees that as a reason to go to Caesar. So yes. that's pretty cool. Yes. Well, then I love what happens. It's not the first time something like this happens to Paul where yeah. he's making a fire, he gets bit by a viper. Everyone's like, you are must be a murderer because snakes uh, bite murderers. You know, basically yeah, so they get on this. Happen. They get on this island and the native people come out. They call them the bearded ones. Uh, and they come out and they show, like, like they start helping everyone and help them like get shelter because it's raining and storming and they're getting them food and making right. sure everyone's okay. And so, yeah, Paul's building this fire, and boom, gets bit, fresh off of a shipwreck, and they're like, oh, this guy is just doomed. Yeah, he's true. <laughs> and then what's funny is he shakes it off, yeah. and it doesn't even say he prayed. It doesn't say, like, Paul prayed and asked the Lord. It's no. just, he shook it off. So I'm imagining Paul is, like, just a tough dude who's like, oh, this is the last thing I need, shakes <laughs> off a viper. Everyone's murmuring. He probably knows it. Um, they think he's a murderer, which he kind of was he is, in his yeah. past life, right? Yeah. But he's forgiven for it. He's moved on. And then they, they're they waiting for him to show all the signs of being poisoned. Yes. Never happens. So then they flip on him. So it's always like, you're a murderer or you are a god, Paul. And they, yeah. they consider him to be a god. So then Paul's like, oh, I know what to do here. This happened to me in, at Mars Hill. Yeah. This has happened to me in other places. And so he's like, has to explain the gospel to them. Um they changed their minds and said, he is a god. Uh, but then he heals somebody too, right? Yeah, so the uh, chief man of the island, his his dad was sick. And so he had fever and dysentery. And so Paul just goes and prays over him and heals him. And so then once he heals the chief's dad, then uh, everyone else starts showing up. Anyone else who's sick is like, Oh, okay. And so they just start showing up to Paul, and Paul prays over them and heals them. Which, according to your theory, if this is going to be used in court, mm-hmm. this is a perfect place for Paul to say, I'm going to stay forever. Mm-hmm. 
I'm king of this island. They've called me a god, and I'm seeing miracles happen. Yes. I think also he's dropping, like, he, Paul, or Luke keeps dropping names. Yes. Like, he keeps trying to drop names, and that, again, I think it's just, so uh, go hey, and... go back and talk to these people. Right. You can go back and talk to these people. They were there. They saw it. Well, then, it's a very well-recorded um, journey. Mm-hmm. So it goes, it, he, in the, the rest of the chapter is like this, here, we went here, we went here, we saw this, we saw these guys, and you can kind of go through it on your own. Mm-hmm. But then um, the brothers, when they heard about us, they came as far as the Forum of, of Appius and the Three Taverns to meet us, which is up to like 47 miles away. People are coming to meet. And this is where Paul has to tell the, uh, some of the Jewish folks, they don't know all the drama around Paul. Because now mm-hmm. they're, they're close, or they're in Rome. Yeah, so, in so they Rome. get to Rome. And they don't know all the drama, so they're like kind of just well-meaning, good Jews, and they've mm-hmm. heard about Christ. And so then Paul starts breaking it down, telling them about the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens. It's like there's a mixed mixed reviews, and then you get uh, the disagreement, which ends with Paul then having to quote, <laughs> who's he quoting here? It's like He's probably quoting Isaiah, Isaiah, which is like you know some. You hear, but you don't understand. You'll see, but you do not perceive. You know, your the people's hearts have grown dull. So he's explaining there. There's again not everybody, but there's a group that's rejecting. And he's saying, mm-hmm. look, you got to ask the Lord to open up your hearts to this mm-hmm. and your minds because you're not seeing it, which doesn't make them usually doesn't. It usually doesn't turn them because then he always follows it with since you are not listening, since God's people aren't listening, I'm going to the Gentiles. Yeah, that's how it ends, and that's infuriating. Yeah, always. I mean, because that's like going to Assyria and going mm-hmm. to Babylon, and these are the enemies of God, but God, again, is saying, well, you're acting, like in the Old Testament, you're acting, or in Kings, just like the Assyrians or Babylonians. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll send Jonah there. Maybe they'll hear, mm-hmm. to your shame. And that's the whole thing with us being incorporated, us being Gentiles. It's like, I'll open it up to everybody. Yeah. But also, that was the plan. You were supposed to be a kingdom of priests. Mm-hmm. And so I'm still, God is still going to carry out his plan with or without you, hopefully with you. And then the book of Acts just ends, man. Yeah, he has his own quarters. He's under house arrest, and he's there for two years before it's assumed he gets to go in front of Nero. And you get this kind of idea that people are visiting him, and for two years people mm-hmm. are coming, and... He's in Rome, yeah. and he's teaching, and um, and apparently this is where Luke, that's up to the present time. So you're yeah. right, if your theory is right, yeah. it's up to the court case before he's going. He's written this, and that's where he's at. We're and still waiting in Rome for our, our court date. And the answer is, or like the question would be, what are you going to do now, Theophilus, now that you have all this information? Yeah. What are you going to do? And it ends with proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Boom. We just finished Axe. Sweet. All right. What are we looking at today from the Psalms? All right. Today I'm going to read Psalm 83, verses 13 through 18. Oh my God, make them like whirling dust like chaff before the wind, as fire consumes the forest, as the flame sets the mountains ablaze. So may you pursue them with your tempest and terrify them with your hurricane. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek your name, O Lord. 
Let them be put to shame and dismayed forever. Let them perish in disgrace, that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are the Most High over all the earth. Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will talk to you next time.